When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Off The Bench with Jason Matthews. A look back at the week in sport and the big interviews. Oh, yeah, and there are plenty of them. Welcome to another edition of Off The Bench. Gee, it's been a big week on, on Sports Day, and it's a big weekend this weekend, by the way. Give back with a Mac this Mac happy day. Saturday, November 13, two bucks from every Big Mac sold, including McDelivery, goes towards helping seriously ill children and their families through RMHC. McDelivery is available in selected locations. Make sure you do support McHappy Day. It's a fabulous, fabulous initiative. It's been around for a long time. Uh, today's show, well, a very special chat during the week with uh, Badge and Sats with the great Brett Kenny, Parramatta legend. It's a two-part chat. I'll give you that uh, today. And also, uh, another chat that came up with uh, one of the greats of the game, Tooves, Jeff Toovey. Uh, joined us as well. He's still cranky at Bill Harrigan about some refereeing decisions against the Broncos. And uh, Chris Nelson, obviously, with the Racing Queensland update too. Got some tips uh, for some Saturday racing. But let's kick it off with the great man himself, Brett Kenny, here on Off the Bench. There's the pass taken. Intercept by Kenny. Australian with him. Oh, the dummy by Kenny. He's going to go up the corner. Look at Ferguson coming across and cover. And it's Kenny from a freakish bounce. Scores a try in the corner to put the cream on the cake. Oh, and a lucky bounce and one of the best dummies, <laughs> a Brett Kenny, one of the best Brett Kenny dummies you've ever seen through in your life. Of them. Oh, didn't he? What? Can mm. I just go through some stats for, for Bert here, boys? It's unbelievable. Clive Churchill medalist twice, 1982, 1983. Golden Boot Award, 1985. The Lance Todd Trophy in 1985. That's, is that the best player in the English Super League? Challenge Cup Final, yeah. Challenge Cup Final, Challenge right Cup here. Final, yeah. Uh, Dally M, Representative Player of the Year, 1986. Australian Hall of Fame, 2008. Played 265 games for the Eels. Four premierships. A dozen dummies in those premierships. <laughs> 17 origins for the Mighty Blues. 20 tests for the Kangaroos. You're a bludger, Bert. You haven't done much, have you? No. Well, yeah, I don't like trying to do too much. You know, I like to just do it talk quite and easy, you know. <laughs> oh, before, before I throw the badge with the first couple of questions, I want to ask you a quick, uh, quick uh, question. That 1986 Kangaroo Tour that you went on with Badge, who had the better mo, you or him? Oh, he did for sure. You know, he was he was there for sure. You know, that um, I remember mine. I grew mine in on the '82 Kangaroo Tour. It was very ordinary, and uh, <laughs> but I stuck with it. And uh, yeah, it started to thicken up a little bit as I got older. The badge well, certainly that, was better in '86. I don't think they appreciate just how. In they were, how fashionable the, the Mo's were. But there was most of the team had them, didn't they? Hey, um, good, good to talk to you, mate. That's um, that '86 Kangaroo tour that brings back some great, great memories. But I want to go back before that, um, those those premierships um, for the Eels, the, the three in a row '81, '82, '83, and a star-studded backline with, with yourself and Sturlo and uh, Mick Cronin and and, and Guru. And uh, there's a bloke for mine that probably hasn't ever got as much credit as he deserved, and that's 
Steve Eller. I mean, he was something special, wasn't he, the Zip Zip Man? Yeah, you know, and, and I, I agree with you. I think, you know, when, when people talk about Parramatta uh, in the early 80s and they always talk about, as you said, you know, that back line and, and he he doesn't get as much credit as he, as he deserves, you know, and, and it was just great playing, especially inside of him. And, and I, I remember actually saw it, I think, earlier today they had, um, I think, uh, a special on, on Eric Grace and it was, um, but they showed you some games from the uh, oh, sorry, it was the other night at the eighty-two grand final, and um, and Zip scored our first try, and it was just you know me playing at five eight, I was able to drift across the field a little bit. Chris Close came up quick, I got in behind him, and there was Zip standing, just running onto the ball, you know, and and that was what he was like. He he was the type of guy that could put himself into a hole. He knew where the mm. hole was. All I had to do was make sure I got there in a position to pop the ball up, and he would be there to take it and. Um, you know, and he was a very, very good defender. I don't think a lot of people realise just how good a defender he was. And, um, you know, it, it, as I said, it just made it so easy playing at 5'8 when you've got guys like Mick Cronin and, and Steve Ella. And I always remember, and they talk about guys that with a sidestep and, and, and how good they are, but they all slowed down to do the step. And Zip never did. And I remember we played mainly at Belmore Sports Ground and, Paul Horton was standing behind the line, first line of defence, and Zip had taken off from dummy half, come to Paul Horton and stepped in that quick. Paul Horton fell over. <laughs> you know, he just couldn't, he couldn't change quick enough. He just fell to the ground, and uh, that's how good he was. You know, and um, you know, he, I, I think he would have a record. I think he scored seven tries against Wales in the '82 Kangaroo Tour, and uh, I don't think that'll ever be beaten. Well. But oh, I love listening to the, the debuts of some of the great players in the past and talk about a baptism of fire. We all remember our debuts for whatever reason. Your debut in 1980 as a 19-year-old up against South, and not only up against South, but at Redfern Oval. What, what were your memories from your debut? Well, I've got to admit, I shit myself when I got on there. <laughs> um, it was very, you know, you, you just weren't sure what was going on. I remember, you know, you watch the first kid sit on the bench after having a game in reserve grade, and and back then you get everyone could sit on the bench, and you know you watch the game. And yeah, that was alright, but it was, you never expected to um, actually get out there and play, and and um, yeah, it was a, it was a bit daunting at first, but I'll be honest, like after a while, I thought this is not that hard. You know, it's not as hard as I thought it would be. But then a couple of years later, you realise, and, and, you know, the reason it wasn't so hard for me was because of the guy I had playing inside me. And it was a gentleman by the name of Mick Cronin. And, and um, yeah, he really did look after me. He made sure I never got knocked around much. And, <laughs> and that's why I thought it was such an easy game. It wasn't too difficult. But it was the fact that he, he made sure I wasn't, wasn't knocked around. He looked after me. He probably took a lot more knocks than he normally would. But... Um, yeah, it was very daunting, and, and especially against South at Redford. You know, it, it, you just didn't like playing down there. Well, I know I wasn't that keen on playing there. And, and a lot of times, you'd, after the game, you'd, you'd be wondering whether your car was still going to be on the wheels. But, you know, it's just one of those things. That was a great... But, you know, I mean, that was the thing about playing there. As much as you didn't like it, the atmosphere was great, and that was what it was like back then. It was just one of those things. There was areas you didn't like to be in, but, you know, it was all part of playing rugby league, and... It was all part of life, and it was just just a, a good experience. Now you had all the speed, you had all the skill, all the exciting players, the players you mentioned, and but Ray Price, 
just the ultimate competitor. Was he the guy that gave you that hardened edge as a side? Yeah, look, he was. I mean, he, he was like he was a gladiator, you know. He, he just and he just kept going. It didn't matter how hard you hit him or whatever, you know. He, and I mean, he was the type of guy that would give as good as he got, and he certainly come in for a lot of attention. I, I think. Um, I always remember Peter Tunk saying that he, you know, he respected Ray Price and and he, he knew, you know, as far as they were concerned, the Bulldogs, Pricey was one they had to get off the field, mm. had to try and get him off the field and and you couldn't do it. And to me, that shows that the respect that he earned. People just knew that if we could get rid of Ray Price, we had good chances of possibly beating Parramatta. And, but he was the guy that sort of led us, you know, even when he wasn't captain, he'd still led us you know, by, by his, his his actions and he would lead from the front and he was that type of guy. He, but he was also the same type of guy that, if he you know, he'd, he'd cop a lot of injuries, but, you know, he'd be up to one, two o'clock in the morning icing his injuries and he'd be ready to train again Tuesday after a Sunday game. And, um, you know, there was a lot of guys that come Tuesday, was, back then was always a physical night. You never wanted to train on a Tuesday night, but he was always there ready to do it. So very, very professional. Hey, hey Bert, you know, uh, you, what, your second year or your third, sorry, your third year in the top grade and you get picked to go on that Kangaroo Tour in 1982, which was, uh, you know, the, the first team that ever went through undefeated over there. What was that experience like as a young bloke with all those, you know, seasoned stars around you, Steve Rogers and, uh, and co, and you were one of the young blokes, you know, Wally and Mal and, and, and yourself? Yeah, it, it, it was certainly a great experience and, and something that, to be honest with you, I didn't even expect. I I didn't even realise after the game, you know, that there was a kangaroo tour on at the end of that year. And, um, you know, a lot of people were saying to quite a few of us that, oh, you know, you might get selected on the kangaroo tour. So I didn't even know it was on. And then, you know, <laughs> I got my name, my name read out at, at the league club. They, they said, oh, here's the, the players that were selected from Parramatta. And I think there was five or six of us, and I, which I thought was good because I was sort of, I didn't know many of the guys. I think I may have, that year, 82, I may have played one State of Origin game. I, so I didn't know a lot of the guys. And, and, and uh, having the Parramatta guys with me helped me a lot. And so I'm not, I wasn't the sort of guy that would go and introduce myself to people that much. I was a bit shy. And, and uh, so it was good having those guys there for the initial week, I guess. We just sort of hung with Eric, Eric Graves and Steve Eller. And, but then eventually you got to meet, you know, get to know the other guys and, Look, I, I, one of the reasons I think we were so successful on that tour was because a lot of the senior guys, you know, like Captain Max Frillich and, um, and Steve Rogers, Craig Young, Rod Reddy, like these sort of guys, uh, Les Boyd, they had all of us young guys be part of what they did. And there wasn't any segregation with the groups. It was, it was just everyone was together. And I mm-hmm. thought, you know, that was a big thing. Just a lot of us guys, as, as you say, were... Was my first tour. A lot of the guys from Parramatta, with the exception of, of Ray Price, it was all their first time away on a kangaroo tour. And but to be sort of feel part of that group and and part of all the senior guys, I think it, it was a big thing for us, especially for me. And and I learned a lot. You know, from, well, Steve Rogers was one of my idols. Mick Cronin was. You know, here I am being able to play alongside both my idols and and. Um, I guess Steve Rogers, in a lot of ways, sort of took me under his wing while I was over there and looked after me a bit and was always talking to me about things and and um, different things on the field. And, um, and the other one, I, I, too, was was 
I've got to give a lot of credit to is Wally, Wally Lewis. I mean, you know, Wally went over there as vice-captain and, and 5'8", and I finished up playing in the test as 5'8", but he was there, he was always talking to me, giving me suggestions and, and all, that, all that sort of stuff. And, you know, I thought that was very good, you know, because, mm. you know, a lot of times guys just get a bit upset about it and not want to talk to you or have anything to do with you, but Wally was was the complete opposite. So, um, yeah, it was a great experience, and... I must say I learned a lot over there. Not nothing much about rugby league, but Jesus knew how to drink pints and gamble. It's, it's amazing. You know, had a casino right next door, so that didn't help. Yeah, you, well, yes, absolutely. That was a problem at the Dragonara, uh, and and that leads yeah. me to because you you've played amazingly well over there. Every time you went, you went on the '86 tour, and I was there uh, just watching you. Um, but in '85, you played in that probably the most famous Challenge Cup final ever, and and you you won the Lance Todd Trophy uh, when Wigan. You were playing for Wigan, and your, your Parramatta teammate, Sturlo, is playing for Hull. Well, there must be some amazing memories from that game. Yeah, it was, it was a great experience, you know. I mean, I remember watching FA Cup finals on TV back home and, and, and um, you know, watching them play at Wembley Stadium and would never have imagined that I would ever play there one day, you know. But here we, here we were, and, and um, yeah, it was a magnificent arena and... Uh, the, the dressing rooms were were um, built at, at the at the far end of, of the the grandstands, and, and there was a long tunnel to get out onto the field, and um, just very daunting, I guess, when you're walking, and there was just deathly silence. Obviously, from both teams, no one was sort of saying too much, and and then you got out out onto the field, and there was this massive roar, and there was a hundred thousand people there. It was just a magnificent sight, and, and just it was just like a a sea of red, white, and black. Because with Wigan, who I played for, were red and white, and, and Hull, who Sturlo and John Muggleton played for, was were black and white. And so yeah, it was it was it was good to get out there. And um, I mean, I I got into a bit of shit before the game even started, and people were blowing up because I had my hands in my pocket, I had my tracksuit top on, and I didn't know what else to do with my hands, so I put them in my pocket, and <laughs> that was it. We lined up, and of course, we'd meet all these dignitaries of the rugby league and all these other people and I often say, you know, I kept thinking to myself before the game, like the week leading up to the game, maybe Princess Di. I might get to meet Princess Di, you know, she might <laughs> yeah. be out there. And, and I, well, I know she wanted to meet me, but um, <laughs> it was it was one of those things. Unfortunately, she couldn't make it, but and we got to meet the Duke <laughs> got to meet the Duke of Gloucester. I thought, who the hell's the Duke of Gloucester? But anyway, I took his hands and <laughs> But that's all they did. I just, I don't know what to do with my hands, you know. And so I put them in my pockets and everyone thought I was being rude. I wasn't trying to be rude. I just had nothing else to do with my hands. I felt uncomfortable keeping them down by my side. And, but I shook hands with everyone and, and had quite a bit of a chat because I was always introduced as Wigan's Aussie player from Australia. And, and people were saying, oh, you know, what's it like down there? And so I have a bit of a conversation with them. And, but I was, yeah, all I wanted to really do was just get out onto the field and, and nothing changed for me. The, you know, I walked on and they thought I was, you know, they just thought I had no interest in the game and and that. But um, I heard Neil Hunt was one on the uh, doing some of the commentary and he said that, uh, no, no, he said it's not that he's not interested, that's what he does. And when he does that, you want to be careful because yeah. he, he's pretty well revved up, ready to go. And and that was the way it went. And we, of course, yeah, we won the game and I won the Lance Todd Trophy and, and um, was told I was the first Australian to ever win that, so that was something very special. And but the thing I was really dirty on is, like you got to remember that's back in 1985. Now, now we we have betting on everything out here now. Well, they had it 
there back in 1985, and you actually could have had a bet on who would win the Landstrike Trophy. So I was a bit disappointed I didn't get told that because I would have backed myself and Sterling. <laughs> Welcome back. This is Off the Bench NRL. Uh, here we go with part two of Badge and Sat's interview during the week on Sports Day with Eels legend Brett Kenny. True story of an urban legend, Bert, when at halftime, I don't know whether it was a big game or a grand final, the Jack either didn't come into the dressing shed at all or just stuck his head in and said words to the effect, smells good, and then just walked back out again? Well, the only one grand final, he actually surprised me because I had expected, not that he'd, he'd done something like this before, but I thought, you know, well, I think we were just in front. We weren't performing that well in the first half and I thought, oh, he's going to blow up. You know, this will be the first time I'll ever hear him sort of get angry with everyone. But he came in and he just picked up a few different things. You know, we've got to do this on that side of the field. You've got to do that on that side of the field. And he said, that's about all I can say. He said, I'll, I'll leave you with this. He said, you've got 40 minutes to do something about this game. He said, you've got the rest of your life to think of the result. And walked out. That was it. Mm-hmm. I thought, geez, I couldn't quite understand what he'd said. I was... I was 20 years of age, I what's it? what do you mean? And, but anyway, Ray Price got up and started abusing everyone because of the way we were playing. And then Mick Cronin got up and calmed everything back down again. And then Steve Ed got up and and um, said, said a few words as a skipper and everyone was fine. But one of the other things was that Bob O'Reilly, who we thought was going to be his last game, he uh, he got up and made a bit of a speech and, and you could see a bit of a tear in his eye and saying, you know, if you're going to win this for anyone, win it for me. This is... A, and it was actually the first grand final I think he'd played in. And so this is my first grand final and may very well be my last. And so if you want to win it for someone, win it for me. And and I thought, oh, yeah, you know, you could see a bit of a tear. He's very emotional. So we've gone out and I think most people could remember uh, probably five or ten minutes into the second half and we had a scrum just off our, on our try line and Tommy Donick has got the ball and scored a try and... Mm. And uh, before we all huddled behind the line and before Steve Edge could say anything, someone said, and I won't use the word that he said, but someone said, well, stuff winning it for the bear. How about we win it for ourselves? <laughs> <laughs> That's what we thought, you know. And, and um, but, but, yeah, you know, it was, it was always it was a good game to win. And, and as I say, you know, the, the two coaches were slightly different. and, and um, But it was great to be able to, to win those premierships and, and, uh, you know, look, we won what, four out of five that we played in, so it was good. Yeah, outstanding. Oh, uh, one thing a lot of people probably don't realise, and I didn't know until I'd watched you prepare for, for games and played a couple on, on that kangaroo tour, but watching you for te- one of the most relaxed players I've ever seen. Like, uh, when everything's getting serious, Bert is just cruising, and that's probably part of that whole makeup that you mentioned that before that Challenge Cup final. Were you always never had any nerves? Did you feel them, or was it just... Not obvious. Oh, yeah, you know, I, I, was, I was no different to you guys, you know. You, you've all played at top level and, you know, and, and not even you don't even have to play at the top level, you know, you're just playing the game. Um, I'd always be nervous at home a lot of times, you know, the day of the game and, and um, depending on, on the game. I know with, with the grand finals, for example, I was, I was nervous at home in the morning and then we'd have to meet at the league's club at... I'd be okay when I'm at the Leeds Club, then we'd get on the bus and I'd start to get a bit nervous again as we got closer to the cricket ground. And once we got off and we were in the change room, I was okay. So I just sort of went in stages. And I guess 
as it got closer to the game, I was sort of nervous. And even even when just playing a, a club game, you know, I used to come into the dressing room and have a bit of a laugh and muck around a little bit. I used to watch the reserve grade, and then when they came back out, I'd go in. But in at half time break, you had the cheer girls doing some dancing or whatever else, and there could be some song that they were dancing to, and I'd come in, I'd be singing that song, and I'd have to get to know who I could muck around with before the yeah. game. But Ray Price wasn't one of them. You wouldn't you wouldn't muck around with him, but. But, um, yeah, that's what I was like. I just used to do that. And I guess in a lot of ways that probably helped me relax and, and, and just sort of, in a lot of, probably in a lot of ways, just, just forget about the game for a while and just have a good time. And then as we got mm. closer to, you know, go out, warm up, maybe, well, then, yeah, you know, you're starting to concentrate on what you've got to do and, and that. But, yeah, I just generally tried to relax most times and a lot of guys used to say to me, you know, I can't understand how you could do that. And I said, well, I don't know, it's just me, you know, other guys have other things they do. Me, I just come in, have a bit of a muck around, dance and whatever and, and then get ready for the game. And then go out and rip everyone to shreds. So what about what about with games like, because if there's one bloke, you know, the king of state of origin, Wally Lewis, but I think you've actually got a better head-to-head record than Wally. You went head-to-head at 5'8". I think you won more games. I've read that somewhere. What about when you came up against Wally and, and Mal and Gene Miles when you were in the centres as well and Choppy? And it, was that pretty daunting? How did you yeah, find that? It was. And, and, and I'll be honest, they're the games you don't like. I don't like playing. Well, I like playing, but you don't want to have to play against those guys because you know it's going to be a tough night. And I didn't want that. I just wanted to have a nice, easy, easy game, you know. And you know, like I knew. Well, the thing was, Wally always brought the best out of me. And, and yes, I did have a better win-loss ratio ratio against Wally when I played five eight. But it wasn't just because of me. Obviously, there were a lot of there was twelve other guys in on the field as well. So, um, you know, but they just sort of put that in as a stat. But, but I, you know, it was just it was it was. One of those things where, yeah, you know, they, they sort of you knew they were going to bring the best out of you because they were quality players. That was the thing. And um, but at the same time, yeah, as I said, I, I used to think, oh, geez, you know, you're playing the sense, got to try and tackle Mal. You know how big is he? You can't let him run too far and try and tackle him. You got to get up on him early. Jim Miles, the same thing. And Wally, I mean, I know Wally wasn't that quick, but but he was so strong. And, and I thought, you know, I've got to sort of get up on on him. And then my thing. When I was playing against Wally, was the thing was was to just I guess like what they do now was was go on go in high, stop the ball, and then let Wayne Pearce or Ray Price or whoever was come in and take him around the legs, and that was about it. Because I knew if I tried to you know if he started to run and and I tried to take him high, it was just too strong for me. I was never going to be able to tackle him that way, and I had to try and get up on on him really quickly and prevent him from running. Because you know you knew what Wally could do. He's just such a great player and. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I, I did enjoy playing against them, but it, you would always rather play against someone else that wasn't as good, so you had an easier game, you know. But, but it was one of those things, as I said, it does bring the best out of you. Talk about bringing the best out of any player, and you've always got to have a partner in crime, but uh, Sturlo, how did he compliment you? What did he allow you to do? Well, I think he, he just allowed me to do what I, I wanted to, and, and, and I think he. He knew I was a, I was more of a, a running five eight, and that's in that instance I think he just realised you know he get the ball to me as quickly as he could, and and just let me do my thing. We we, we seem to be able to 
had this connection. I mean, we did play a lot of football together over a lot of years, but it just seemed to work for us. And I don't know why, even when we first started playing at, in the halves, it, we just, Sterling could seem to know that when I was going to switch to go back inside, he just seemed to know when I was going to do that. He didn't sort of look too early or look too late. Um, but we, yeah, we just had this chemistry going and then it just worked for us all the time. And, you know, we ended up playing a lot of representative football together and, uh, and that, and obviously at Parramatta played a lot of games. But yeah, it's just one of those things we, and I think we just both, we, you know, we, we respected each other and respected what each other could do as individuals and knew that, well, that's all I've got to do is make sure I, I put myself in a position for him to utilize me. And, um, you know, with the, with the bombs, for example, you know, I was always the one that he, he would sort of look to see what side of the field I was on and he would kick it that way. And I was sort of even, like Jack used to say to us, that he wanted me to get in a position to, to leap up and, and take the ball. And so that's how it, it worked. Still, I would look to see where I was and he'd kick it in my direction and then the rest was up to me. But he was probably the best halfback that I'd... Well, not probably. I know he was the best halfback I ever played with. And, and I played alongside some great halfbacks, Steve Mortimer, played with him in Newcastle, New South Wales. Mark Murray, when he's playing for Queensland, played, you know, when I won the 82 Kangaroo Tour with him, played alongside Muppet. And so I played alongside some great halfbacks and Sterlow probably the best. He would be the best that I've played alongside of. Oh, look, Bert, there's so much to talk about. We've run out of time. Um, It's just hard, it's so hard to do justice to that magnificent career and anyone who who wants a reminder of just how good you were, just check it out on YouTube and and we'll, we'll... Google Parramatta Premierships or whatever it is, but just to just to, as a, as a bit of a footnote here, you know, you, you forced Wally out of the Test side on that Kangaroo tour. He goes on; he's an he's an immortal. In 1986, you're, you're playing that well. That Wally was at five eighth, and Gene Miles and yourself in the centres, and you pushed Mal into the back row and onto the bench. Uh, I think if that if people get their heads around that, they will realise just you know how good you were, and you know if they if there was a possibility of you being nominated as an immortal, Bert, I tell you what, I'd be I'd be throwing my vote in, mate, because you're a magnificent player and a, and a great bloke, and we do Second thank eight. you for joining yep. us. Yeah. Oh, boys, it was a pleasure, and um, yeah, thanks for the for the wrap there. I know I got a, I, I'm on Facebook, and I often see <laughs> I keep thinking to myself if if ever I, I do get. Um, do do become an immortal. Like, I'm going to have to thank everyone on Facebook because all these people <laughs> have put things on Facebook saying, "Oh, there's some, someone put something up pretending for immortal." And all these, yeah, yeah, it should be an immortal. Yeah, yeah, it should be an immortal. And I'm thinking, oh, Jesus, I'm going to have to thank everyone from Facebook if it ever happens. But but um, yeah, look, it's it's, it's a great honour to be even mentioned. Um, you know, to to be nominated as an immortal and. Um, I guess, yeah, I, I guess, well, the facts are, well, yeah, I did, I kept Wally out in 82 and, and Mal out in 86, but, you know, and they've both gone on to become immortal, so as people say, well, surely that must be enough, you know, but there you oh, go. I'll just wait and see, if it happens, it happens, you know, if, if it doesn't, it doesn't. Well, hopefully yeah, Peter exactly. Valandis is you listening know? and something can be done about this, and could you teach Badge <laughs> how to use Facebook for us as well, Bert? That would be great as well. <laughs> Look, I'm not that good at it. I just follow the prompts. <laughs> uh, it can't be that good if you're not an immortal. <laughs> uh, there he is. Yeah. Eels uh, legend, Brett Kenny. Uh, it's been an honour sitting here listening to you three chat uh, tonight on Sports Day. Thanks for your time. Not a, pro- not a problem. Thanks, guys. Good pleasure to be with you. Welcome back. This is Off the Bench NRL. 
to Hasler, back to Tooby. Tooby dancing. He's an elusive little fellow, Mick. Very, very elusive. Look at him, looks as though he's about 14, but it looks as though he can handle it all right. There's half a metre in it. Now it goes out to Tooby. Yeah, very young uh, Jeff Toovey there taking on Great Britain. Uh, about two or three first-grade games he played. He did look 14. Uh, it, tiny, but, geez, he had a good game. Uh, scored a try. Uh, man of the match as well in that game. Can I just run through his uh, his resume here, boys? Yep. Played 286 sure. games for the Sea Eagles slash Northern Eagles. Uh, 14 origins for the Blues uh, and 13 tests for the Kangaroos. I reckon it was more origins. 16 anyway. origins, sorry, for the Blues. Fair career. Like that. It's a fair career. 13 tests for the Kangaroos. One, I reckon one of the quiet achievers. And Badge, I think you said off there as well, captain his club, his state and his country. Yep. Yeah. Pretty big. And I said the world's toughest accountant. <laughs> he's fre- he's fresh off the bus too. I, I don't know. I don't know why oh. this man who's loaded is catching a bus. He probably owns the bus company. Good point. <laughs> Jeff Tuvey joins us on Sports Day. G'day, Tuves. Oh, gentlemen, that uh, that game against Great Britain back in nineteen eighty eight. I nearly lost my head four times in that game. <laughs> it was like it was a massive target. Um, didn't didn't believe in the head high rule back then. Hey, so in, in that game, Tooves, um, against Great Britain, that was the tour in Great Britain side. Badger, you said you were at Brookvale watching because you were part of the Australian side that night. Is that yeah. right? Yep, yep. Fatty said, have a look at this kid. He will play for Australia. That was before, they, as they ran out, and we went, oh, kidding, he's tiny. What do you remember from that game? That man, man was a good supporter, a very yeah, big supporter of mine, so I appreciated the comments. What do you remember about that game, Tooves, uh, against the touring Poms? Oh, not much, to be honest with you. But um, again, it was it was, a, it was a night game, so it was you know we didn't play many night games back then either. So it was a big, a big crowd, and that's when the touring sides actually got out and played a few mm. local club sides to raise a bit of money, so and support. So um, it was really exciting. It was my it was my first first grade game. It was my first run on time I've been on the run, run on team. So um, it was exciting for me that way. I had, I had all the family down there. They were pumped and. Um, as, as, as we said, uh, we got away with a victory. Um, so it was a bit embarrassing for the Poms, but um, a great night for the Manly Seagulls. Now, you were a Belrose boy uh, growing up on the North Shore. Did you used to go down to the Brookie and, and watch the Eagles play as a kid? Oh, look, to be honest, not really. I, I, was, I was playing playing football. I was playing a bit of rugby union as well, so playing Saturday and Sundays. And you know, mum and dad were like most parents, I think, chauffeuring us around to, to different sports. So, um, um Pretty busy um, lifestyle here on the northern beaches, so I didn't get that many opportunities to get to the bullfell. But when I did, I spent most of the time on on a bit of cardboard sliding down the back of the hill in the grassy knoll. So um, <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was too busy eating pies and drinking cokes and going crazy. Sounds like we're we're lucky. You might have been a crappy rugby union player, mate. So you stuck to league, or did you have some offers? Did you have to make a decision oh, there? No. Or was it always going to be manly? Well, no. You said before I grew up playing for Belrose local league side, but um, a neighbouring suburb was the Lambie, and they were short players for their for their union side, and we were short a couple of players for our league side. So I said we used to play Saturday morning, Saturday afternoons in the juniors, and then when league went to seniors, we played league on the Sunday and union on the Saturday. So it was good. Yeah, right. It was good times. You know, I think as a young 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 kid or man, you wanted to be participating as much as you could. So. It gave us that opportunity. 
So, so Tuves, you come into the, the, the grade, senior grades in 88. Mainly are the premiers from the year before with you know, Fatty you mentioned and Cliffy and Dez and, and Ronnie Gibbs and uh, just an outstanding side. Was that, was that daunting, thinking you're coming in to try to make it in a side that's got all these superstars? Well, as an 18-year-old sort of uh, young man, you didn't think about those things. You were just excited. I was just excited to play. Um, I was fortunate enough to play a couple of um, reserve grade games the year before in, the, in 87. I was actually um, was in the member stands when Manly won the grand final. Uh, sorry, yeah, imagine 87. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And um, I, never, I was never so excited. I was in the uh, members uh, stand in the home shed looking around the aura of um, you know, great cricketers and sportsmen uh, from the past around me. I, thought, I was just so excited and so thrilled just to be part of it. We played our reserve game. We lost to Balmain. I think Daryl Broman was his last game. Uh, and they, so I got to play against the big Daryl Broman. That's how old it was. Uh-huh. Beautiful. Hey, some of those players that you came in, I, I wonder, is there, in all those years that you played in, in for your club and your state and your country, was there anyone crazier on the field than Ronnie Gibbs? <laughs> well, I don't want to say too much because he'll get back to me and he'll hunt me down. Um, <laughs> but uh, look, look, you know, uh, Ronnie, Ronnie was a passionate player and yeah, he was a bit eccentric at times, but he, he's doing a wonderful job now. I don't know if people know this, out in the bush footy, he's a great ambassador for rugby league. Um, yeah. He covers well, hundreds and hundreds of kilometres out in the New South Wales bush area just promoting rugby league and, and helping kids play play the sport. So um, he's a great ambassador to, to the code. Uh, a bit crazy on the field, and when he's just finished off the field, you'd stay away from him as well in the sheds. But, um, yeah, he, he's a great ambassador to get for the code, that's for sure. But, no, not too many more crazy than Ron. Now, um, you've formed a great combination with Cliffy for a number of years, uh, too. And did, did Bozo or any coaches ever try and coach Cliffy, or did they just leave him to his own devices? Oh, look, Clippy's, uh, again, one of those Indigenous players. He's just giving the ball. Um, didn't like tackling too much, mind you. Um, <laughs> he, he, he with, a, with a ball in a hand, though, he's, he's the best I've ever seen. I mean, he, he was just a genius. He um, used to cut solid the park. And people would know, oh, you know, Clippy, don't take his dummies. Don't, you know, don't just be mindful of him, double up on him in, in defence. But they still couldn't manage to stop him. Um, and when he, when, he was, when he was hot, he was... It was again. He was just smoking hot. So um, he, he's he's definitely one of the greatest ball players I think the game's seen. Who would you regard as Manly's biggest opponent, greatest opponent back then? Oh, well, it's hard. You asked me as a, a young Manly sort of supporter growing up. I would have said it was Parramatta. They kept pipping us in grand finals and beating us all the time. So mm. um, well, I mean Parramatta. I think that that was a, a really big. Rivalry, particularly in the um, in the late seventies, early early eighties, particularly, um, it was a great um, a great force um, when they came together, Manly and the, the Parramatta Eels. Mm. We uh, we've been talking about uh, Manly. We just to kick the show off and talked about, and we do it each night with a different club and that your favourite Manly players. Did you did you have someone that you 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 followed and you looked up to from from Manly when you were young and coming through? Oh, not really, but coming through the grades, I, I really appreciate it. I mean, it probably goes uh, as a bit of an unsung hero. Uh, Alan Thompson, the 5'8", you know, uh, yeah. played for the country. Was a, was a great a great man. And he got, uh, I won't say shafted at Manly, but he was a fantastic coach. He, 
he, he took me through a year or two in, in the reserve grade when I was coming through. Just a great uh, mind of the game, um, a great uh, inspiration as a coach. And I just thought that um, he had some really high and bright prospects of um, going further, but um, things didn't uh, work out that way um, when he got the opportunity, unfortunately. Mm. So, Tufs, you came in 88, um, Manly had some lean years and... You managed to, then you, you eventually you, you take over as captain. You win the 1996 Premiership after a loss the year before. Uh, uh, other great accolades um, we'll get to, but those couple of years of the Northern Eagles during that, you know, that Super League era, how do you look back yeah. at, at that? Well, that was probably um, well, some other reasons as well, but one of the driving forces for me pulling the pin on, on the game and retiring as a player. Um, it was it was tough. It was tough going for everyone involved. I mean, for players and officials and, and everyone and the fans particularly. I mean, I think it's well noted now that um, you know once they sort of amalgamated some clubs, you didn't you lost a lot of fans. They didn't go to the new combined club. They actually just dropped out off the game and out yeah. of the game. So mm-hmm. um, it was it was it was tough um, mentally. I think we had a fairly good side on the field, uh, some good talent, but we just couldn't convert that. Um, into results in the first uh, couple of years. And uh, when that happens, I mean, we've seen it with other franchises as well. It's just really hard to, 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 to drag um, um, drag yourself as a team um, to success, to be successful, because you sort of, um, you Christian you, with or crown with that um, you know, new team um, um, sort of... Um, atmosphere or some sort of culture it's very hard to 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 beat that losing culture when you when you're in your club Mm. yeah now twos you're always in the in the face of the referees now there's there's one incident um, it was at ANZ Stadium in Brisbane you were playing the Brisbane Broncos as you were walking past Bill Harrigan you said something he just turned around and sent you off and you you look like your butter wouldn't melt in your mouth no no that's come on that's not how it was he was hammering us, right? It was the first game back from the Super League ARL sort of um, universities. <laughs> and uh, he, Bill Harry was in charge. And we're playing, I think the penalty count was like 20 to 5. He's just torturous. And all we said, I think he sent John Hamawadi off. Yep. But not, not an incident, but for a group of incidences. I said, you can't do that, Bill. That's bullshit. And he goes, what did you say? I said, you, and Hobbard, Hobbard previously called him, I think called him a cheat. And um, and he, this is his story. Bill reckons that I said, yeah, I, I, I agree with Hopper. So he sent me off. That's, that's, that's Bill's version. But I'm telling you yeah. now, I oh, just tortured us. But you, I mean, when you started coaching, you didn't, you, you, you had a real nice relationship with refs, didn't you? You didn't seem to have any big dramas. Hey, have you got that thing we're going to play, Woogie, that we, we play it every week? Oh, here we Come go. Come on, that's ridiculous. Hey, that's can you... ridiculous. <laughs> There's got to be an investigation into this. This has got to be... Someone's got to be accountable hey, for this. Hey, can you... We love it. Can you... We love it. Uh, confirm nor deny that when you were coaching reserve grade at Manly, you were responsible for yeah. multiple phones being broken in the coach's box? That's a, that's a load of garbage. Right? <laughs> that's ridiculous. <laughs> I couldn't afford it, but um, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. There was a there's a YouTube clip going around. That I'm going to kill the, the kid who put it together. <laughs> Make a, a real gig of myself. But, um, <laughs>
This is Off The Bench NRL. We'll be back soon. Welcome back. This is Off The Bench NRL. This is also the point of the show where we try and fill your pockets uh, this weekend. Of course, a uh, big weekend of racing in Queensland again. Chris Nelson was on fire. By the way, gamble responsibly. Chris Nelson was on fire last week. Queensland is racing. The action continues this week across the Sunshine State. Visit racingqueensland.com.au. Saturday Arvo Racing. First of all, where, mates? Uh, Doomman this Saturday, Jason. A good meeting at uh, Doomman. We've got the Keith Noud, which is... A sprint race, a listed sprint race over 1,200 metres, and we'll see some of the summer carnival hopefuls uh, kick off their campaigns there. We just need to see what sort of track condition we get because we are promised a bit of rain between now and then. Yep, okay. Do you like anything at this early stage? I mean, we'll put an asterisk next to a lot of it because of the the track conditions. I do. Look, race nine, we'll start at the end, number 12, more than number one, trained on the Gold Coast by Michael Costa. Very dominant winning uh, his last two starts. He, he's got a real turn of foot, this horse. He can sprint hard. He seems to do it very, very easily. He's uh, rounded up uh, a couple of... Uh, well, he's rounded up the leaders in races that have been run really slowly of late and run right over the top of them. As I said, very, very uh, comfortably indeed. He's been off... Uh, he's had a bit of a break, so he comes back here after a few weeks, maybe in the paddock, but certainly away from the stable. I think he can run well. Even if it is wet, it'll probably dull his acceleration a little bit, but I still think he'll be able to win this race and prove too good. So race nine, number 12, more than number one, the best. couple of others. Uh, race five, number 10, put on the red light. Very, very unlucky last start not to win. Uh, Steph Thornton Road, she couldn't find a gap in the straight. Once she did on this filly, uh, she finished off strongly. She should have won. So race five, number 10. And the Keith now, a lot of good horses in this, such as the Herovian, Nikonova, I'm just going with Simply Fly, number 12. He's got the fitness edge. He has two runs back from a break. The others are all resuming from spells. They've got bigger fish to fry. If he just gets in from that gate, he loves the mud. And if the rain comes, he'll probably be the way to go. So number 12, Simply Fly, around about $5 in the Keith now. All right, mate, plenty going on. Uh, And the other thing, too, how much further away is the Roma Cup? Is that a week? The Roma Cup, yeah, only a week. So a week Saturday until... Uh, the Roma Cup. Now, it's a big meeting, of course, the $45,000 Cup and the $25,000 Country Stampede Qualifier. So if you're in the area, if you're close to Roma, you want to get out there and have a great day out because it promises to be a beauty, doesn't it? I'm looking for a driving partner. So I'll drive there yeah. and they can drive home. Uh, That's eight hours, roughly, so eight hours of you. Yeah, yeah eight-hour round trip, isn't it? Is it four hours there, Roma, or is it eight hours no, there? I think it's eight hours there and eight hours back. Can I borrow the Chris Nelson uh, helicopter, perhaps? Well, if I had one, you'd be welcome to it, and I'd come with you. But um, yeah, it's a long I don't drive. know where it is. If you can tell me where it's parked, that'd be handy. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Uh, Queensland is racing. The action continues this week across the Sunshine State. Visit racingqueensland.com.au. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Jase. That's been uh, off the bench for another week. Back uh, Monday night, Sats and I on Sports Day. Badge having a, a few weeks off. Uh, should be a big week. Well, lots of guests lined up. We'll catch you uh, on, on Monday night. Enjoy the rest of your weekend.